It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you grow your e-commerce business faster and more efficiently by cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and guidance from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello, Master Plan World. Welcome to the latest podcast. It's great to have you all out there listening. I'm Chloe Thomas, the creator of the e-commerce Master Plan, best-selling author, speaker, and consultant, and I focus on e-commerce business strategy and marketing. And today, I want to introduce you to our very special guest, who is Gia Wirtz, the founder of Studio Fifteen, a women's boutique with a difference. Not only do they design and sell stunning dresses, they also focus on donating money to help women in developing countries build a better life for themselves. Founded in 2014, after a year of beta testing, they launched to the public, and now they have a customer list of 10,000 and have funded 30 business startups in Africa. Hi, Gia. Hi, Chloe. Um, I've just given our listeners quite a quick overview of what you're up to with you and your business. Um, How did you get started off in e-commerce? So I actually, it's really funny, when I started my career, um, internet wasn't really a big thing, (laughs) which is funny. Um, So I spent 15 years working for some, in in the fashion corporate world, growing businesses and Mm -hmm. managing operations for companies like BB and Aldo Shoes that you might be familiar with. Um, And after 15 years, I just decided it was time for me to start my own company. It's something I'd always wanted to do, but it's a really daunting task to <laughs> take on. So I finally, after 15 years, I thought, you know, I've, I've um, done this for so many large companies. I can definitely do it for myself. And I just took the plunge and did it. And that was 2014. Yeah. Oh. And 20, actually 2013, but we were, we were it, it took a while to kind of craft the idea and all of that good stuff. Cool. So which which bit of the idea kind of came first? Was it the business model? Was it the product? Or was it the charity aspect? It was the product. Um, but the, one of the reasons I left the corporate world is because I started to, I enjoyed it so much in the beginning. Fashion is so exciting and it's fun. But towards the end, after, after being in it for so long, I started to get an itch to do something that makes more of a difference. But my career, you know, 15 years or so of doing, you know, working in fashion, I wanted to take what I know best, but also apply a, you know, philanthropic aspect to it and kind of marry the two together. And so the, the, I would say the clothes and like the dress idea came first. And then I took a volunteer trip to Uganda. And I worked with some of the women there firsthand um, with the nonprofit that we now work with. And after I met those women, it's just, it was so, it was so funny, Chloe. They were the happiest people I've ever met and they had nothing. I mean, like they didn't have shoes. They didn't have food. I mean, water was like miles away. They had to walk to get water from the well. And they were the happiest people I had ever met in my lifetime. And it was really eye-opening. And so that's when I decided to marry the two and open my business, but also donate to them. It's, it's, uh, sounds like it was quite an eye opening trip for you. It was, it was, and it was a lot of fun too. Cool. Well, there's, there's one for all of us to add to our bucket lists. Definitely. <laughs> um, so wh- what's the structure of the business right now? Where in the world are you and where are you selling to? So we're located in New York city and we currently sell to us and Canada. We have plans to expand further as soon as we can figure out how to minimize the shipping costs mm-hmm. <laughs> for the rest of the world. <laughs> the age-old problem. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard one to crack. 
so yeah, we're here and, and we cater to basically North America. Ah, uh, cool. So you sell online, but you also run parties, don't you? So do you have a physical store or is it just kind of pop-ups and the online side of things? Yes, that's right. So we're only online and then we do pop-up shops every month through spring, summer and fall. And so that's kind of our, we don't have a brick and mortar because that is our business model is to never have a brick and mortar. Um, but we do kind of get the, we take the online experience offline by doing these pop-up shops that are a weekend long or so. And that's the only brick and mortar experience that our customers have. So you said part of the business plan is never to go bricks and mortar. Obviously, from 15 years in the fashion industry, you're pretty familiar with how it all works. So what was the kind of the key reason behind deciding not to go down that route? So I saw a year, you're exact, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it was. After working for these large companies for so long, I got to see how much of their profit goes into the rent of these oh, yeah. stores. <laughs> and it just didn't make sense to me. I looked at it over and over and over and, and our two, obviously the two biggest costs were payroll and rent for these brick and mortar stores. And I mean, I don't even, I don't want to, you know, share their information, but to give you an example, a lo- one of the locations in New York, the rent was $10 million a year. So it's just, every time I looked at that number, I was like, this can't be right. This just doesn't make any sense because that money could be put towards payroll or new initiatives or product and especially payroll. Cause I, I just feel if you invest in your people, that's going to get you the most, it's going to get you the most movement, you know? Well, and, and people is one of the problems with bricks and mortar as well, is that you've got to have someone there, whether there's a customer interested or not whether there's anything to do in the shop or not, if you're open, you've got to be paying someone. And it's such an, an inefficient use of, of manpower, I often it think. It really is. It really is. The, the tough thing I'll, I'll say, though, is one of our biggest challenges in e-commerce has been driving traffic to the site, especially as a new business and such a crowded web space. So the one thing that's fantastic about brick and mortar is you have traffic that's walking by that can be intrigued by a window display or just physically having an experience going into a store, touching and feeling the product. So that's the only piece that sometimes I feel we're missing um, that would be really nice to have. But other than that, yeah, you're right. It's it's so much payroll and there can be hours where nobody comes in and you still got to man the shop, you know? And, and it's, it's the... Um... You know, some of that $10 million, yeah, fair enough, it's marketing, but a large proportion of that is still kind of just sunk there in the hope that somebody wants to use the facility you've built. So oh, I, 100%. I, yeah. I totally get your no bricks and mortar side of things. So the the website then, um, what what platform have you chosen to build on? We're on Magento. Excellent. And have you got any key widgets or plugins you've added into that? Maybe searchandising reviews or something? We do. Um, we have reviews. We also um, use abandoned carts. Uh, I think it's called Alert Pro extension for Magento. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have quite a few custom extensions that our web team created for us. Um, we have an Instagram extension. And the biggest one we're working on right now is the friend referral extension for Magento. Aha. And that seems to be becoming quite a big topic at the moment, friend referral. So are you willing to share how yours is going to work at the moment? What sort of incentives you're giving? Or do you want to keep that wrapped up for now? No, absolutely. Yeah, we can share. Um, so we're going to do every time you refer a friend, so you send them a link to our site or on social media, however, however the customer chooses to do so, they each get a $10 gift card. So the customer who shares it and the customer who's receiving it. Oh, it's a win-win then. 
Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. I mean, we looked at a lot of models like Dropbox and Airbnb are some of the biggest ones, and and um, they did something similar, and it worked. In, it really worked for them really well. Oh yeah, it's like um, Dropbox built their entire business on that, basically, didn't they? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They must be doing something right. <laughs> they must be. They must be. And I mean, our price point is around fifty dollars. So if you can get ten dollars off of that dress, why not? Yeah, it's well worth it. And um, you mentioned you do reviews. Which Do you know which platform you're doing the reviews with? I actually don't know which platform. I, and it could be wrong. I think I think we're using the built-in one that came with Magento. Cool. Well, like, we'll, we'll check that out afterwards. And, and if it's something else, we'll, we'll put that in the notes for you all. Okay, sure thing. That sounds good. Um, so you mentioned the product price point's about $50. I've mentioned it's dresses. Are you going kind of after the purely dresses market or are you branching out into other areas of women's fashion at the moment? So we were um, 100% dresses. Recently, we've started to bring in other categories, very, very few. We're still about 95 to 98% dresses. But what we noticed is because we carry on-trend products, it's really what's trending now. Um, there are times where fashion kind of goes through these phases and dresses become not so popular and, and you know, jeans become the new dressy item that people are wearing out at night. They just wear them with dressier tops. So when we noticed that, that kind of, pattern, we decided to start carrying other key pieces that are really trendy at the moment. So currently we, for example, we got denim joggers and they've been just flying out the door. They've been selling like crazy, <laughs> which, you know, if we hadn't tried, we wouldn't have known that. So you're, you're still keeping your nose to the, to the fashion uh, trail and working out what the next, the next right product for your customer is. Exactly. But I think we're always, I think, I mean, as far as I can project right now, we'll always say 90% dresses. We are a dress boutique, but I think it's a good idea for us to carry 10% of the other items that are, that are popular right now, just to stay abreast with the industry. Excellent. And um, what's your team looking like? Uh, we're what, a year and a half in. So how many of you are there? What are you doing in house? What are you outsourcing? So we have a really small team. At any given time, we're only about seven or eight of us, um, but we only have three in-house. Um, I guess I'd say four in-house, but one is outsourced. Our web developer mm -hmm. is outsourced. And then we have two to three interns. And, and then we work with a lot of freelancers. That's kind of how we get so much done with such a small team. So we have um, bloggers we work with as freelancers. Um, who else? I mean, so, so many, so many different things. It's, it's so great now, isn't it? The way you can go, right, I need that skill set. I'm going to hire someone with that skill set. Not trying to kind of jam it all into a job description for one full-time employee. Oh, it's so true. And, and especially with startups. I mean, I'm sure your audience and you're so familiar with this, but you have so much to do and you have to wear so many hats, but you also can't be great at everything for one. And for two, you can't afford to bring on a salary, a yearly salary for a certain job and so it's fantastic to be able to get short-term freelancers for when you need them and then not have to pay that salary the rest of the year when you don't necessarily need them okay and I've got one last product one one last product on the question one last question on the product sure. <laughs> which is are you designing your own products or are you buying in brands what's your how are you going about selecting those dresses for the shop 
Sure. So we actually have both. So we have a ready-to-wear collection, which we actually have buyers on our team, and they go out and buy those from manufacturers. We're all private label, so everything is the Studio 15 brand. Um, but we do have buyers that select those dresses. And then we have our bespoke collection, which I design. Oh, nice. Yeah. And how do you sell the so the bespoke collection? Is that someone comes on comes in gets fitted or is it literally they're just it's just a higher end range that's viewable on the website they actually come in and get fitted so we have um, a bespoke section on the website and what the customers can do is they can look at the silhouettes that we currently have and they can select any of those silhouettes but they get to they get involved in the end design process, which is actually a lot of fun. The women who have done it just love it. So they get to pick their own fabric, obviously colors, fabrics, lining, and then we take their measurements and we make them a custom one-of-a-kind piece, but only in one of the silhouettes that we currently carry because those are the items that we have patterns for that we have designed. Um, the other option for women that aren't in New York is we have a phone consultation with them or a Skype consultation, and then we show them how to measure really accurately, and then we make their piece for them without them having to physically come in. Oh, wow. So were you always intending on doing the bespoke part within the business, or has that kind of evolved into, or, or was it starting off with the bespoke, then you got the, the off-the-peg range? It evolved into it. You know what happened is when our buyers go out and they select the dresses we carry, there was so often gaps where we would say, mm -hmm. okay, we need this trend, and this is definitely trending, but we can't find it anywhere. There's no manufacturer making it. And that's when we decided, well, we ha we're in New York, so we're right here in the garment district. So it's easy for us to produce these things. So it kind of evolved from it was a need that was missed, that something was missing. And then we decided to do this. Um, but I had, it's so funny as a kid when I was, I've always been really petite. So when I was like 12 and 13, I could never find clothes that would fit me. So my mom taught me to sew and taught me to take everything in and sew my own clothes. And so it's always kind of been in the back of my head because I always enjoyed that so much as even as a kid, because you always had something original, you know? Oh, I totally know what you mean. So, and I love, I love hearing that your business is, has evolved based on essentially what the customer wants and finding ways to serve that customer as well as you can. It's, uh, it's always, it's always good to see the success that comes from, from those really simple principles. So Gia, we've gone through quite a lot about your business as it is at the minute, but what do you think is the most awesome thing about it right now? I'd say a few things. I love, um, after working for such large corporations, I really appreciate and love how small and agile we are um, because we can change quickly and we can respond to things very quickly. Um, whereas in my experience in the past, it often took five departments and 10 meetings <laughs> to make a small change. <laughs> it used to drive me bananas. Um, I'd say that's one of my favorite things. We also haven't wavered from our initial idea and mission, despite how difficult it has been, um, which I can definitely get into what those difficulties have been if you'd like. And, and but most of all, I think is our partnership with the Cleos microfinance group. And that's the nonprofit that we partner with because they allow us to make such a big difference in the lives of these women in Uganda that we work with. Because literally every dress that gets bought, a proportion of that goes to the foundation. Yeah, 5% of all sales. See, that's amazing. Amazing thing to do, especially as a startup where, you know, every penny counts. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And it's so funny how to think that even a small startup can make such a big difference for somebody. Well, yeah, exactly. You look at so many businesses, I guess mine included, that 
haven't helped a single person to you know financially to start a business and um and you've already done it helped 30 people that that's just properly properly mind-blowing one for all of us to have a bit of a think about I think (laughs) um you mentioned about the challenges of sticking to your idea and your mission and that you're happy to dive into those so do you want to give us a couple of key ones and some lessons from those for sure. Um, you know, the funny thing is, and, and a, a lot of business people might disagree with me on this one, but when I started my business, my goal was not to become the next, you know, retail chain or to have brick and mortars or to grow to some huge corporation. My goal was to spend my time doing something I enjoy while also helping other people. So um, the business, the goal of the business is to grow large enough to support our employees and, and treat them fairly and give them a healthy salary while, while doing what I love. So that doesn't always sit well with, you know, other business people or investors. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So, so that's, that's funny. That's a challenge. I get a lot of people telling me, well, you're, you shouldn't do it that way. And, um, you should do, you should do this or that or mass produce or markup more. And, and the reason we have dresses at $50 is because our markups are much lower than the industry, which I also get a lot of criticism for because people say, well, you're just doing it wrong. But I I don't think we're doing it wrong because we're offering quality to the customer at an affordable price because, in my experience, I've seen how much, the, how high the margins are, I should say. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make sense to me why something is marked up 600% or 1,000%. This just doesn't make sense in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> and so I decided to just not do it. And, uh, and we can still make a healthy profit by marking up reasonably and offering and running really efficiently and offering those savings to the customer. But I've gotten a lot of criticism for that. And it's, it's so funny. Every time I sit down, sometimes even with friends or acquaintances in the business world, I hear the same things like you need to change this, 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 and this. And it's funny because a lot of people won't see the vision because it's different. It's different than what's been done in the past. I mean, and the fact you've got 10,000 customers on your list right now shows that actually do you need to change those things? You know, it's, I, per, mm-hmm. whenever I'm asked what, what's my business about, it's like, yeah, yeah, it is about making money and being profitable, but it's more about, just like you were saying, it's about how, finding a way for me to live a happier life. <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever that means, doing more things that I enjoy, earning enough to pay for it all. And yeah. it's, it is quite strange how sometimes people just look at you as though when you say those kind of things, as though you're a little bit of a, of a crazy person. Yes. <laughs> and, and with pity. And you're kind of like, well, just because I don't want to, you know, turn over multi, many, many, many hundreds of millions and, you know, have a team of a hundred working for me. That doesn't mean what I'm doing is any less valuable than what those people are choosing to be. It's just different. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's so funny because our customers obviously are the ones who love it because they're getting the value and the quality. So they love it, which is why we've been able to grow a customer base quickly. But the funny thing about it is, which we're trying to figure out how to solve, is customers, when they come to our pop-up shops, and this is going to go against what I said about brick and mortars, but <laughs> for pop-up shops, because they can touch and feel our product and they see the quality and then they can't believe the price. We, I mean, we sell out. We did an event recently in Canada and then we did an event just here in New York last month and we literally almost sold out of every piece that was there. We came wow. back with nothing, which is amazing. I mean, it's just amazing to think that it's a small selection. We only take about 20 styles to these events and for them to just 
buy all of the 20 that we brought. It's, it's really, it's really crazy to see. But the funny thing is, is that online, our new customers who haven't shopped with us before have a hard time believing that the quality can be as good as we say it is at that price. And it becomes kind of a hindrance for them because they don't believe it. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. Yeah, it's, um, it's that challenge, isn't it? It's like, is it too good to be true? But I don't, I don't think what you're saying about that goes against what you were saying earlier about bricks and mortar, though, because pop-up shops are such they serve such a different purpose to a normal high street or mall based store you know permanent store they're there to create a buzz to to bring that element of scarcity and specialness and show it off and recruit a load of new customers who are just going to love it and buy from you again and again so i i don't think it's a i don't think it, it at all affects your your vision of not doing bricks and clicks Personally. It's true. It's that's true. That's very true. I guess the only thing it uh, it kind of contradicts is it doesn't even contradict. It's it's just that if they're able to touch and feel it, it's much easier for them to understand the quality and the value. But since they can't because we're only online, that becomes a little bit of an hind- a hindrance for new customers. But yes, I still don't believe in brick and mortar. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so Gia, we've spoken a lot about kind of what's going on in the business and. Uh, the different angles you've got on it. What we haven't really talked about, apart from the the, the pop ups, is how you're how you've driven those ten thousand people to come to your website. So, are you willing to share kind of a couple of your key marketing tactics? For sure. I mean, honestly, the biggest way that we've driven these customers is through our pop-up events. Because every time we do a pop-up event, it's not actually a pop-up shop. It's a fashion event. So, for example, during Fashion Week last year, we did an event. And, I mean, the event just took on a life of its own. We had 500 people show up. We had a space that could fit 200. And we had 200 RSVP. So we were thinking, okay, that's great. You know, usually only 70% of the people who RSVP show up. So we were thinking, okay, it'll be perfect. Well, 500 people showed up there was a line out the door and I mean it was a great problem to have but also it was we we weren't set up to handle it either because we weren't expecting it so um that day we got 500 new one email addresses visit visits to our website customers who shopped that day and then have shopped with us since so these events and and the reason that event was so popular is because we partnered with a shoe company um out of of manhattan here and a couple of a hair company and a couple of beauty companies and so it was kind of kind of this girls night out get pampered event so we were doing free manis free makeovers uh, everything was free and if they wanted to they could shop the shoes and the dresses, which complemented each other. So the pop-up shops become more of an experience and an event. We had a DJ and, of course, cocktails, and and women just love it because they don't feel like they're in a retail store environment. Oh, how, what a brilliant way to do it. Not just a, yeah, we've opened a shop for a few days, but here's a amazing reason to come past, which is clearly, clearly very successful. But Yeah, the party, exactly. Outside of the pop-up shops, what have you been been up to on the marketing front? So other than pop-up shops, the only other thing we've really been um, using for driving traffic is social media. That's really the the only thing. Um, the one the one little trick that I learned um, at a growth hacking seminar a while back, though, which has increased our traffic quite a bit through social media, is uh, Snipply. Have you ever heard of Snipply? No. What's Snipply? So Snipply, it's it's a, it's a website and it's snip.ly and it is amazing. So what it does is it puts 
a pop-up, a little pop-up at the bottom of any website or any article that you share on social media. And that pop-up, you can program to say whatever you want and link to wherever you want. So a perfect example is, and, and I bet you other entrepreneurs would agree with me on this, like your social media, you can post away and post away and post away and it's like crickets. Like, <laughs> yeah, no one's liking it. No one's reading it. And you're wondering if it's really worth your time. And so what we do, and I'm sure a lot of people do, is we try and share, you know, 60, 40, 40% of the time it's our own um, product or links or blogs or articles. And 60% of the time it's other stuff and other people in the industry. So it's, we look at it from our customer's point of view, what is going to be useful for them. And sometimes it's not our stuff, it's somebody else's stuff. That's a really interesting article or getting the right dress for your body type and somebody else wrote it. So we take that article and we publish it on our social media, but we put a Snipply link at the bottom. And that link allows us to have a little message that says, for more dresses for your body type, click here. And it takes them to our website or it takes them to a blog post we had written about it. And people are much more inclined to click on that original article because it's written by Vogue or you know Harper's Bazaar or somebody that they know and they trust. So they'll click on it. Once they click on it, then they see our pop-up. Which oh. is, it's just driven our traffic. It's increased our traffic a lot because it, it just works. <laughs> I guess it means there's a link back to you on 100% of your social media, even though 60% of it is about curating great content. You got it. Exactly. And it's a click back to us on websites that customers already trust and know and like to read. So that Snipply link is on the article itself, not on the tweet. Right, it's on the article itself. Wow, there's one for all of us to go and go and uh, go and um, go and be checking out. Oh, it's it's amazing. It's 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 just so funny how easy it is and how well it works. Wow. Well, on that t- top tip, I think it's time for the top tips round. Um, <laughs> it fits. Uh, I love this section because it gives all of us some great ideas to take our businesses to the next level. Gia, first up is your book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend to them? Uh, I would say definitely, definitely successful. I think it's called Successful SEO and Search Marketing in a Week. Um, And it's by Nick Smith. That book, um, I don't know for most people, but for me, SEO was a whole nother world that I didn't even really think about until I started in the e-commerce business. And then I was like, you know, oh crap, what is this? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, this book is literally, you can read it in a week. You can, I, I mean, I read it in like two days. So I guess you could take a Friday and Saturday and read it. But it has so much useful information delivered in a digestible, quick read. And it's it's so, like it, it tells you step by step. It says, do this, look for your, look for your keywords, put it into this website. It'll spit, spit out options for your keyword. And then you can use those to figure out which keywords have the most competition and which ones are the search or search for the most by customers to find kind of a, that middle ground that would be the sweet spot for your company. And then you put those keywords into your website and it's, it's, it made such a huge difference for us. Ah, a great tip there then. Uh, the traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Um, which, what was the question again? Can you repeat Um, that? The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? Ah, well, definitely Snipply, as I mentioned. Oh yeah. 
way to go. But I would say in addition to that, everybody talks so much about Instagram, but I think um, Pinterest is a much, much, much better place for people who have a product because um, Instagram only lasts for a minute, let's say, after you post it, whereas Pinterest has a much longer um, life span. Well, that's going to send everybody off to check out your Pinterest account to see <laughs> to see what sort of stuff you're you're p- posting up there. Um, so next is the tool top tip. This might be a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Yes, there is just one that I would say, and it's HipChat. Um, have you heard of HipChat? Is that hip as in hip hop chat? Yep. Yep. Uh, no, I haven't. Chat it. Uh, so it's this tool. It's online, and I, for us, we have team members that are remote. So this is just amazing. It allows the entire team to have access through chat rooms, so people can get updates even if they're working in different time zones and whatnot. And you can update documents, images. I mean, anything you want to it. So it's almost like a think about a Facebook Messenger, but created for a workspace. So. Let's say, so we have a chat room, for example, let me just explain it a little further for each department. So a marketing one and operations one and so on. And everybody who's t- who has a project that's touching on marketing. So we did a shoot yesterday. All the updated images will be put in there today. So tomorrow when everybody's working in whatever time zone they're at, they can just go to this one place and get everything they need. Oh, marvelous. Keep- yeah, it's great. It sounds like kind of a task management chat forum and document storage all kind of rolled into one. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. You got it. Nice. Uh, Then the last top tip is the startup top tip. If you met someone this weekend who's thinking of starting an e-commerce business, what would be your first tip for them? Um, I would say, I mean, I wish I knew this. I would say do your research on keywords and integrate your keywords into your business name, into your URL and everywhere on the site you can. Uh, The internet space is so crowded that as a new business, you have to stack the deck and give yourself a chance to be found by your customers. And I think that's a key way to do it from the start. Um, That's something I wish I would have known before I named the company and before I bought our URL. So you wouldn't be shopstudio15.co.uk if you started all over again? Exactly. For sure not. We would have had something either fashion or dress related in the name so that when people are Googling, we have a chance of showing up. Excellent. Well, Master Plan World, you can find those amazing top tips and links to everything else we've been chatting about in today's episode, which has been rather a masterclass in fashion, marketing and business, I think, um, by going to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash 69. Now, Gia, before we say goodbye, would you like to let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? For sure. Our website is shopstudio15.com. And social media on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Studio15NYC. Excellent. I'll add links to all of that and everything else we've talked about in the show notes. You can find those at ecommercemasterplan.com 69 or just go to the website, click on the podcast tab or use that search box. Gia, thank you so much for being on today and for giving us such amazing advice from your experience in fashion and e-commerce. Oh, thanks, Chloe. It was a pleasure.
Wow, how much did everyone get out of that? So many ideas for how to launch, what to do in terms of the charity side of things, listening to your customer, and then some amazing tips in terms of tools. And that's snip.ly. I am off to check that out later. Um, if not the second I stop recording this one. So, um, everyone, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Um, if you have, then please do consider sharing the great news of the e-commerce Master Plan podcast with more people because I am currently on a mission to spread the word further and, and increase our listerships so as I can help more people just like you to grow their businesses faster. Um, you could do that on Instagram on Snipply, maybe. Um, you might want to do it on hip chat or over a coffee or a pint. I really don't mind. And if you really want to supercharge it, then, um, then please do think about putting a review up on iTunes. Have a great week, everybody. And don't forget, you have to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com.